Hello and welcome to Grid Talk, your weekly RC racing podcast with your host, myself, Russell Lee, and as always, the fantastic Chris Bowden. How you doing, mate? Uh, not too bad, mate. Like, finish at work, but nobody wants to know that, about that. They'd you rather know about our sponsors. You're absolutely right, mate. And I will say a massive thank you to them right now. So thank you to CML Distribution and, of course, Schumacher Racing, the companies that keep us on every week and keep us supplied with prizes at Christmas. So there we go. Thank you very much, guys. You, you, you're brilliant. Um, well, then, great. So tonight we have got a superstar, a legend, legend, a legend, a legend status. Would you say in the UK oh, historically? Easily. Yeah, easily. Yeah. The, the original, like a house, household name. Yeah, Paul, oh, I, could, I think you could say that, couldn't you? You know, he's definitely yeah, amongst definitely. them. You know, Craig Drescher, Rory Cole, Jamie Booth. You know, I think he's just there. Which so, one of the three have we got? Uh, well, it's gonna have to be Jamie Booth, isn't it? Really. Well, yeah, it's going to have to be. All right. All right. I'll just stop my drink over. I'll cut that bit out. Don't worry about it. In our one-take podcast. And without any editing on our one-take podcast, it looks like uh, Jamie's popped up. How are you doing, Jamie? I'm okay, thank you. How are you? Oh, we're not We're not, not too bad, mate. Better for speaking to you on a Wednesday evening. Yeah, really good to get um, you on, mate. Yeah. yeah, no problem. So we'll give you a... a oh, obviously, do we really need to give you an introduction? We were saying before... You, you you joined the call that you know you were like a household name of of RC racers. You know if you you said name a historic racer, there's like a three time transit that would be you, Rory Cull or Craig that would would get mentioned. Um, so I don't know where to start. So let's let's just start at the start. What we'd like to do with a lot of our guests is, um, especially the more accomplished ones who've been around a long time, is go right the way back to the start and do like a "This is your life" thing. So, yeah, yeah. do you want to give us a bit of a story about what was your first inkling of RC cars and and, and how you got started moving into racing? Um, it's a, it was a long time ago. Um, when I was when I was a kid, I had some you know toy radio control cars. One one of which was a the radio control Starsky and Hutch car of all things. Um, and you just switched it on and the, and the motor rev, uh, rev no control, but you, you could turn it left and right. Um, but there was a local shop in Chesterfield called Pepperdays, um, and they had all the Tamiers in the window. And, and um, when I was uh, younger, I did build a lot of the sort of Tamiya plastic kits. I'd save up a bit and buy a Tamiya plastic kit and build it and paint it. Uh, and I quite enjoyed that. Um, and then I saw the cars and then uh, there's a lad at my school um, called Mark Wallace and he had the Tamiya Lamborghini Cheetah. Um, and at night, sometimes he'd run it around on the school playground because he lived literally straight across the road from school. Um so we used to go up and watch this. Um and yeah, I wanted to um I wanted to I wanted to get an RC car. Uh, and also uh, in Chesterfield I was quite lucky. I don't know how we found it, but there was a, a large one twelve scale club uh, at a place called the Goldwell Rooms. Um and my dad used to take me and we used to go and watch and there was uh, Back then, the Goldwell rooms did get like 100 people on a Wednesday night, uh, including people like Jimmy and Wayne Davis and Neil Francis and Bill Maisie and people like that who were heroes from that era. Um, 
and anyway, we got the we, I got a sand scorcher for Christmas 1980, and uh, me and my dad built it up, and uh, we'd got to know some local people. One of which was Dave Bailey's dad, Derek, and and Dave, who was only a young kid at the time, and they ran the Chesterfield Club at the White Hart Pub at Kalo, um, which is only a couple of miles from where we live. So. You know, it started off as a toy, really, and then it, and then we started going to, uh, you know, they used to have big big meetings either at the White Hart at Chesterfield. Um, there were some uh, also some big meetings at a place called the World's End Pub at Northampton because uh, Derek Bailey had the club in Chesterfield, and a guy called Colin Spinner, who was the marketing manager for Rico, the then Tamir importer. He, he ran the club, uh, all the race meetings at the World's End at Northampton. Um, and so, you know, we started off at Chesterfield and then and then the Northampton lot had come to Chesterfield and then the Chesterfield lot had got to Northampton and then and then we got friendly with the Liverpool lot, which was uh, Steve Newey, Derek McClarney and some of the, and Charlie Formby and those guys. And then... They come to Chesterfield and then we went to Liverpool and, uh, you know, and I got to know uh, Ian Litley uh, and Jason Green and, you know, a lot of the Midlands guys. And then, you know, the Midlands guys came to us. We went to them and then we all it's kind of kicked off like that, really. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I started. I just started off as a toy and then, you know, we made quite a lot of friends and, and we just started to travel a little bit back then. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where it started for me. That's crazy. I mean, how long was it before? I mean, obviously in the eighties, RC racing, well, off road and stuff was still pretty early doors, wasn't it? But I mean, so how much work was it in between there up until like not you know nineteen eighty nine when you um, uh, with all your success with the Top Cat? Um, I mean, there the, the, the wasn't. Uh, some things, you know, some things were better back then and than they are now. You know, uh, I did a lot of, I did do quite a lot of club racing just for fun in the eighties, just with local mates. And back then, in our area, you could race an off-road car every single night. Uh, I'm talking about late eighties now, not the not the early eighties. Um, but the late eighties, you could literally race them. You could you could go racing. Every single night, you know, literally every single night, yeah, and lo- and localish uh, as well, and localish as well. You know, there was a um, there was a club at uh, Dromfield, a club at Tupton, uh, Mansfield. Um, you know, it, there was there was within fifteen minutes drive. There was, you know, there were there was a few clubs. So uh, I didn't race all the time, but I did do quite a bit of. I didn't go practicing like the guys do now. I just raced all the time. Yeah. I literally raced every single weekend somewhere, uh, whether it be a little club meeting at Rotherham or Chesterfield or, or, or wherever. Um, so, yeah, I did. I, we, we didn't have permanent tracks like we've got now where you could turn up and hire the track it wasn't a track it was just a field and with a few tires and hoses and stuff down yeah um even at a national level um 
so there wasn't anywhere to go and practice um you, but you know me and my dad and the local friends we just used we used to oh where we're we going racing this weekend oh it's a meeting on at liverpool oh let's go to liverpool and or you know or or wherever um and whether it be just an indoor meeting, club meeting. And back then they had, uh, you know, the regional races were quite big back then. Um, and they also had the um, regional finals, which was a big race meeting. Um, so you'd get your top qualifiers from all your regional races to the regional finals. And, and back then it was a, you know, it was a big meeting. And uh I think from memory, I think they used to have an indoor one and an and an outdoor, an indoor one in the winter and an outdoor one in the summer. I think, but my mem- my memory is getting a bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting it, old. Yeah, I mean, even <laughs> I mean, because I when I was like racing like in the early nineties, like you know, like ninety ninety one ninety two, but when they had the national at Himley Hall, there was easily hundred and twenty people there then. You know, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, there was a lot of people. A lot of people yeah, the nationals. Even yeah. the even the Tamiya meetings, the Rico Richard Constant, they did a lot of promotion with Colin Spinner in the early eighties when I started, and 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 the off road meetings at the White Hart and and at uh, World's End, they weren't small races. I can't tell you how many were there, but it was, I think it was hundred and something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, what, it wasn't it wasn't twenties or thirties. It was hundred and something. You know, it it was. It was big, even even in the early eighties. Uh, bigger than now, really, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I think what's amazing is as well, like nowadays, just 120 people you book up on the internet, it's it's full within minutes, isn't it? Yeah. But these were meetings where, I mean, there wasn't any internet, <laughs> Let, was there? It letters was, and post dated oh, checks yeah, and yeah. <laughs> tick oh, yeah, the form, two wheel drive, yeah, yeah. ticky crystals, <laughs> cost you an extra stamp and. Yeah. Entry forms and stamped, stamped address envelope. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, people today don't. You know, it's like my son George. He, you know, he says, "Oh, what phone did you have?" Or something. It's like we didn't have phones, mate. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Everyone that was plugged in in the house. That was it. Well, we just had the one in the house, and that was it. Well, what did you do if you were out and somebody wanted you? Well, tough. They couldn't find you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Usually not you just thing. look for where all the bikes were parked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, you'd, you'd roughly know where your mates were. Um, and that was that. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, it was different times. And yeah. it was the same, you know, when, in the 80s when we when we started travelling to some European races. You know, we, me and my dad uh, in his Cavalier and, you know, no sat-nav or anything. You just, I'm, you know, how old was I, you know? I'd have been 17, 18, and, you know, I've got a European map, and it's like, well, I think we go down here, Dad. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So what was your first um, sponsorship? Did you go the, the shop drive route first, or did you go straight in with a, a manufacturer? I, I was initially sponsored uh, around about uh, 83, 84, by a, a local model shop called Hopkinson's Models in Sheffield. Yeah. Um. And that was uh, run by a guy called Grant Hopkinson. And there was me, Grant, uh, a guy called Neil Woodhead, who still races now, uh, and also a guy called, oh, what's his name? I can't remember. My memory's gone blank. Steve Harris, that's it. Steve Harris. And he still races a little bit now as well. 
Oh, and a, a bloke called Mark Gray, and, and he also still races. I see, I see him at Chesterfield at 12th meeting sometimes. Um, you know, we were part of the Chesterfield lot, and, um, you know, we, we he just helped me out with a bit of discount here and there. Um, and I can't, I can't remember what happened, but I made contact with Nick Adams, um, and Nick was my first real, um, you know, f- sponsor. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, where I actually got some items for free. Um, and, you know, Nick was a really, really, you know, knowledgeable and kind man. And um, there was myself, Hainsey, uh, the Harrises, Tony Wells, who's racing real LMP cars now. Um and we were sort of the mainstay of the Demon team, if you like, in the uh, around the time of the RC10 coming out. Um, and it was actually Nick that sorted out my associated deal as well. Um, Nick was very friendly with Mike Reedy, and um, Nick had said, "Oh, this lad's you know winning winning a lot of races in UK. You know, can we get him a car?" And da 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 da. So. Um, Nick and George Land and all those guys, they trotted off to uh, Porchek in Austria for the first race there, which I think was 1985. Um, and Reedy had taken me a uh, associated car, uh, an RC, to, a then new RC10, to Porchek and given it to Nick. And then Nick had uh, passed it on to George Land. And then George gave it me at the... Uh, at the national that was there at Scarborough when I was still racing a Kyosho Scorpion at that time. Um, and yeah, so Nick did an awful lot for me in me, uh, you know, in my early career and even as much as I worked for him for a while in the eighties as well, um, lived at his house in the week and worked balancing motors and picking he, orders. He, he was like the master of motors, wasn't he? He was a really clever guy. Yeah. yeah, he was a really clever guy. He made his own speed controllers and he used to sit there. He didn't mass produce and he sat there and soldered them up himself, you know, probably half a dozen, ten at a time. Um, and, you know, his speed controllers were the ones to have back then. Uh, they were the neatest, the smallest, the best. You know, they were. he was just a, cle- a really clever bloke. Um so yeah, that was that was some of the eighties. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, with um, because um, then you went to you so you went from um, associated. You went over to Schumacher for a while, where you had um, you had some really good results, didn't you? Not well, with... what happened was initially uh, in the in the sort of mid eighties, um, I was running um, around about. I had a I had a. Um, a difficult. I ran a P, PB Mini Mustang for a while, and whilst it handled all right, at the world's warm up at Romsey in '87, uh, I didn't finish a single qualifier. It was it was rubbish. It kept, you know, I shouldn't say it's rubbish, but the top shaft kept stripping, and uh, I ended up in like the H final or something. Yeah. And uh, me and my dad made a decision that 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 was it. The world's was going to be in the UK, and. Uh, you know, if we didn't do well, we didn't do well. But if the car wouldn't last five minutes, it was useless. Um, 
Do you think at the that car, time, do you think the car struggled because you being pretty good, you had the best batteries and the best motors, where where normal people with club racing didn't have that extreme power compared to everyone I else? I mean, I mean that that is. Uh, don't get me wrong, I had some good stuff, but the the rumours about what you had and that were. I mean, it, it did used to make me chuckle, really, because. You know, if people went flat at four and a half minutes, they say, well, I could beat you if I got your stuff. But, yeah. you know, the the good stuff was maybe 10, 15 seconds longer than yeah. than the than the, than the average stuff. Uh, you know, if, if you were going flat, if you were going flat a few corners from the end, it might have made a difference. If you were going flat at four and a half minutes, nothing I had in my box was going to yeah. change anybody's result. Got it. Um, now the uh, the first I'll have to go back a little bit. Yeah, the yeah. first year the first Euros was in eighty five was at Halifax, and at that time, um, four wheel drives weren't really a thing. Uh, George Land ended up bumping up from the bottom final, I think, and making the A. But the rest of the cars in the final were two wheel drive associated mainly. Um, 86 in Italy, that's when it kind of started to change. I, I, we arrived in Italy, that was the first time I'd been abroad, and I went with uh, I went with Ainsley and Darren Harris, and uh, you can imagine, young lads are set free for the first time. Um, we had a great time. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but the track was on dirt, which we weren't really used to. Uh I made the A and I won my semi-final with a two-wheel drive, but it was the only two-wheel drive car in the final. And that was 86 in Bologna. Um, then in 87, uh, there was still only one class, but then everybody had a four-wheel drive. So uh, in 87 in Porchek, um I ran a short cat. Uh, Glyn Pegler and Phil Davis ran the Cat XLS. Uh and we finished one, two, three, Phil Davis winning. So we went to the Worlds, and then, you know, that was kind of the first time there was two classes. So uh, Schumacher didn't have a two-wheel drive car, Associated have a four-wheel drive car. So there were no issues or problems with that. Um, so I run the Associated in two-wheel drive, and I, I finished fifth. And in four-wheel drive, I run the Cat, and I finished third. And I did win. I did win one leg of the finals, and I... You know, I mean, the rules were the rules at the time. I've no complaints, but under today's rules, I would have won. Um, back then, they added the laps and the time together. So, oh, okay. in in one final, Masabi won, uh, and I missed. The, he did a seventeen lapper. I missed it by one second. And then in the next run, I did another sixteen in one second, and he did a sixteen in ten. But Unfortunately, uh, two 16s equals 32, and a 17 and a 16 equals 33, no matter how slow yeah. the 16 was. Yeah. So, you know, I've got no complaints about that. We knew the rules at the time, uh, but it was after that meeting that they changed it because it was unfair um, how it worked, and that was even highlighted by second place. Katsunori Kondo, I think he hadn't been higher than eighth or ninth, um, in the other finals and in the last final he made a 17 lapper so he'd got a really slow 16 and a 17 again that was 
33, not 32, what I had. So I ended up, not only did I not get win, I finished third. Um, and and I'd beat him by, you know, yeah, quite. Seven, or, seven or eight places in the first two finals. And, um, yeah, but that, that's just the way it was. You know, racing it's was evolved, still evolving. It? It's evolved now, yeah. Yeah, racing was just evolving. And, you know, we knew, like I say, we knew the system at the time. And, um, you know, no complaints about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so then, but then in um, 88, again, the Euros was just one class. Um so everybody ran a four-wheel drive, and that was in uh, Lyon, France. Uh, we all went on a coach there, um, the whole British team on a big coach, you can imagine. Uh, Mums, dads, kids, the lot, you know what yeah. I mean? All stopping in the same hotel as well, while it carnage at night. I mean, Craig, Craig Drescher, I mean, you were only probably 11 or 12 or something at the time, and he... Uh, he was winding up the, the 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 bus drivers out the window, and they were chucking buckets of water out of the hotel at him. Um, <laughs> You'd never believe it. Doesn't sound like a crowd, does it? Up, would you? <laughs> and uh, the hotel were playing holy steam up because the water had gone in through the windows, and it was on the carpets. And oh dear! But anyway, so then it came to '89, and uh, I was still running Associated Reading Schumacher. But I, I did have a professional contract with Schumacher um, from 1988. Um, at the time, I'd, uh, I'd been approached by Tamiya um, to run for them uh, because we were really friendly with Colin Spinner, the marketing manager. And um, and we'd met Taki and some of the guys from Tamiya down at Chesham and they'd test-driven the Egress. Um, or at the time, it might have been an Avanti. I can't remember. Um, and um, yeah, and they'd made me an offer to be a professional driver for them, but it was I don't know, I thought it was the wrong time really. And we we did we told Schumacher about it, which to try and be fair. And and Cecil made also made me a, an offer to become a professional driver for them, yeah. Um, so when Schumacher eventually did bring out a two-wheel drive car, the uh, he, we didn't really want to go away from the RC10. But you know, we, I'm not from a wealthy background, so having having sponsors that paid to go to the big races and everything was was you know a real boom to, so that he well, could yeah. do it. You mean, know, it's, it's one thing being get, getting all your kit free or remarkably cheap. But to actually yeah. get that and take a wage home at the end of the month yeah. or another week is, 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 you know, is mind blowing, isn't it? Especially like nineteen eighty nine. Well, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a fortune, but oh, I was, obviously, but it was enough. Was, yeah, but I was racing toy cars around the world, uh, women mates, meeting people, making friends. You know, I, I were flying over to USA, racing in USA, and you know, all around Europe. I'd, you know, I was I was travelling sort of, I don't know how many times, but in a year. But it was, you know, it was probably closer to ten, you know, ten ten probably international meetings in a year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, eighty nine was was the year, wasn't it? Really, you know, yeah. um, two wheel drive win with the with the world with the top cut. You made the A final at the Reedy race. Yeah, 
you know. Well, it was the two-wheel drive Euros win, not Worlds. But sorry, yeah, 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 sorry, yeah, my mistake, yeah, I mean, bad eight, notes. Eight, eight, 89, you know, where did we go in 89? I mean, we had a... I can't really re- even remember. I know I raced, I think I had... I did several Grand Prix around the, the Europe. Um, we had the Reedy race in Porcheck. Um We had the Euros in Gothenburg, Sweden, and we had the Worlds in Sydney, Australia, which was obviously a dream come true to go and, yeah. to go and race in Australia. And, and, you know, it was fantastic. And, you know, you, that's kind of when a lot of lifelong friendships were made, visiting these places. And, you know, I was racing with, obviously, with British guys like Craig and Rory and Ishi and and um, and a lot of the those other guys. Um, but I made international friends, you know, like Jurgen Lautenbach and and Jay Olsey and and, and Christian Kyle and um, Tommy Peter and and uh, I mean, and I used to travel about a lot to the races with. Um, uh, you know the boss of CML himself, Jason Varley. You know we're we're very we're very old friends, and uh, you know we used to travel everywhere together. Um, hey Chris, did you know that Jason Varley, the boss of CML, was the first ever UK two-wheel drive national champion? I did know that. You'd, yeah, have I mentioned it before? I've just been sitting here <laughs> quiet, quietly listening because, like, I mean, just some of the stuff that you've just said in that sort of last ten, fifteen minutes to me, is, like mind blowing. I mean. Not only did you get an associated factory drive, but of all the people that sorted it out for you, it was like Mike Reedy. Yeah, it was. You know, yeah. that's like that's mental. I mean, people nowadays they see like Reedy on motors or servos or batteries or speedos or whatever now, and they don't realise what that guy like actually did and how good he was at. Like, yeah, that's right. And, you know, like he was. These guys are all absolute legends and. I suppose you were good enough and lucky enough to to be around them, and well, I just, that's was, amazing. It was different then, you know, as well. When you went to the worlds, you know, like associated, everybody was there. Gene, Roger, Cliff, Lett, Reedy, you know, the guys from uh, there was obviously Ernie from from uh, Trinity, Joel Johnson, and then the Losey guys, Gil Losey, Gil Losey Junior. And all the Lopsy clan, and there was the, uh, you know, there's the guys from um, Mike Walker from Twister, the Dunn boys from uh, Mike and Steve Dunn, who were the AYK distributors. They had the Radiant, and they, you know, they got a car in the final, and they had their race prep stuff. You know, everybody went to the all all the top people from the top com- from the best companies. They all went to these big races. Yeah. Um, and so that's how you got to know them because, you know, they were all in that one place at that one time. Yeah. So it, it was nowadays you don't seem to see so much of it, you know, and not, every, you know, the racers kind of, they really are professional and, and the, you know, the boss and everybody's not always there at the big races like they were back then. Yeah, they don't have to go, they just send the guys out with the kit and the way they go. Yeah, that's right. So, what was it, you know, because what was it like going from the RC10 2 drive to the top cap? What were you first, in, when you first saw the top cap with its lay-down front shocks in, in, in the, in the um, under the body, what were, you, what were your first impressions of it? 
well, you know, it was a bit, it was a bit strange, really, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but and it, and it, but to be fair, initially on grass, it was probably the better car. Um, it was, it was fast on grass, and then um, they made some modifications to it as well. Um, they made a narrower front end with some revised steering geometry, and and you know the results, like I said before, the results. Even though I thought I didn't like it, the results were. You know, it was. I won the European Championship with it, and uh, I think it was fourth or fifth or sixth at the Reedy Race in Porchek and sixth at the Worlds in Australia. So, you know, it, yeah. it can't have it can't have been that bad, can it? You no, know, definitely not. It's just weird. I mean, our, my my memories of the Top Cat were it went into a corner and it like dropped down and lift up like like the damping was yeah. weird on it. You know, um, but maybe that was what gave it the steering. I don't know. But, Mind you, at the Worlds, I was very kindly helped out by the Losey guys. Okay. Uh, and that's something I'll always remember. The Worlds in Australia. Um, at the Worlds in Australia, it was the first time Yokomo came out with the 2.2 wheels and tyres. Yeah. And nobody else had seen them. And uh, they obviously had a lot of grip. Um, and uh, Cecil went to Yokomo and asked them if, if, they could get, if he could get some tyres off them. And they just blatantly said no. Uh, the the Losi guys had got their then new Losi X pattern, which yeah. was all, also a very good tire. But they were they were the opposite. They they very kindly helped me out. Um, no problem whatsoever. Um, and and you know those guys. I have to say the Losi guys on an, on numerous occasions travelling to america and various places those guys helped me out and the brits where they could they made us feel very welcome and um you know it's really heartwarming because we were competitors but yet they'd still help us out with tires and bits and pieces and 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 just try and welcome us to the to the fold if you like um so you know i'll always remain grateful for that yeah and how long ago after that was it that you went full time with Tamiya for their racing program? Uh, I was with Tamiya nineteen uh, in, from nineteen ninety and yeah. ninety one, um, and yeah, I was um, I was approached again by Tamiya after two years signing with Schumacher, and uh, they'd done a lot more work on the cars by then, and uh, Colin Spinner the the marketing manager of Rico was a, a really good friend of ours. Well, he still is. He's still around, and you know, um, and you know, he, he, he twisted my arm and persuaded me to give it a try, and and so so I did. And uh, you know, there were ups and downs with it, really. Um, the first national that I did, the first two nationals I did with the new cars, I won both days, which was a, a shock. To, to everybody really nobody yeah. expected that probably including myself um but yeah we had some good results we had some ups we had some downs um and um i, I mean they they um at the euros 1990 i made both a's i made both a's with a astute and a manta ray believe it or not a plastic manta ray yeah. Um, and uh, but I'd also in the meantime I'd had this um, amazing 
possibly the first ever TRF car, the, the egress that I've got. Um, and I've still got the egress now. Um, and they've done a load of modifications to the egress to make it more competitive for me. Uh, and all the parts on the car were handmade by the, the engineers in the factory, just you know, on lathes and CNCs and, and what, what else, yeah. whatever else. Um, and yeah, I won the I won the nationals in 1991 with the four wheel drive. Um, Euros in 91, I finished second to Craig Drescher in two wheel drive, and I finished fourth in um, in four wheel drive. So again, pretty successful results, really. Um, and yeah, that that was it. I, went, I was lucky. I went to um, did I go twice or once? I can't remember. My brain don't my brain don't work like it used to. But you know, I went to the Tamiya factory, um, which was amazing. Um, and you know, incredible, incredible place. Um, I went to the the design. You know, the uh, the main place that you see in the pictures. But then I went also went to one of the production factories close by as well, um, and that was. <laughs> that was that was funny. Yeah, it was it was uh, it, it was it was uh, it was a great experience. You know, I was only how old was I? Nineteen ninety. I was only twenty twenty two. You know what I mean? That's mad, isn't it? That's all oh, that history, and you're still in the early twenties. Yeah, no, so I was, you know, and I, I frightened the girl in the hotel on the first morning because I um in Japan. Um, I'm in the hotel on the way down in the lift, and I think, oh, that looks all right. And uh, the, the the menu on the wall, it, it was basically bacon and eggs. So they give me a menu, and there was no pictures. So I was, I was, you know, I was screwed, basically. I didn't know what the hell was on the menu. Yeah. So, so I waved the girl, and I said, come with me, come with me. And she's really sheepish, looks scared, because, you know, I'm I'm a big lad, I'm tall, and, yeah. you know, and I'm bringing, I'm taking her towards lift, and, and she's going, no, no. No, or something. I said, "No, it's okay, it's okay." I don't know what she thought I wanted, <laughs> but I pressed the lift, and then I, I, sh- I shouted her into the lift, and I pointed, I pointed at ba- bacon and eggs on toast or something. I yeah. said, no, "I want that, I want that." And she's, <laughs> "Oh, okay." I think, yeah, I think she thought I wasn't going to take, wanted to take her up to the room or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cool. But, so, so- but, <laughs> so what was so, the factory like back then um um all molding machines or with the with the molds made by hand and stuff like that or did they have same machine cnc they machines had, um, they had sparky i didn't they had a spark erosion machine working oh, okay. there. so they'd uh you know they, they'd got a machined i don't know what the i don't know Excuse me, I don't know what the, yeah. the, the 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 male of the spark erosion is. I don't know if it's brass or I don't know what it is, but it was sparking away to to dig its way into the into what would turn out to be the mould. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean they were, you know, they were making bits for um, they were making all kinds of bits and pieces, and they they got the. Um, they got the triple. They got the three-piece uh, Lexan molds and stuff like that, because so they could have the, you know, on the on the like uh, touring car bodies and stuff like that. So you could have the more detail under the bumpers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and that was all stuff that we hadn't seen at that point, you know. 
Um, we just got basic moulds back then, haven't we? Yeah. So did you go off and do any touring car stuff when touring cars became popular? I, I did, although it was something I never really, something I never really enjoyed, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, um, I started working at in um, at HPI Europe in uh, 1998, um, and I was initially on UK sales, and then I became uh, for Mirage, and then I became product manager for HPI Europe. Um, and I did race at uh, nationals with touring cars, um, and I, I, I had mixed sort of results with it. It weren't really my thing. Um, you sort of used to going down a off-road straight and like wondering what's going to happen when I turn the stick at the end, and then dealing with it. Whereas yeah. with touring cars, you sort of you sort of get down the straight and and you know what it's going to do every time and. If your car's no good, then yeah. your lap time's slow. It's as simple yeah. as that. So how long did you work at Mirage for before going off and starting your own company, SMD? I worked there between 98 and 2003. Yeah. So I was there five years. Um, and, you know, Jason did and the, the, the boss then at that time, he was very good to me and taught me a lot and, and I progressed well through the company. It was, you know, it really, you know, it could be, you know, difficult to work for, let's say, at times. But he was also, he also taught people a lot, a lot. Um, he, he's a clever bloke. Um, and, yeah, and he he taught me a lot, which led me to, to wanting to do something myself eventually. Yeah. So, what did you start with SM? What products did you start with SMD? Did you, was it out your garage to start with, and then get a unit? Or well, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, I, winged, I winged it a bit to start with. I mean, I um, uh, I actually left HPI before I started SMD, and yeah. I went back to work for Dave Bailey at an electronics company in Chesterfield called Kingfield Electronics. Yeah. Um, because it was the travelling to HPI and back. It started off as an hour each way, and then by the time five years had passed, it was an hour and a half each way. Yeah, just because of the and traffic build-up. I just couldn't take it any longer. Um, anyway, Dave Bailey, at that time, I'd had a year or two off racing, and Dave Bailey had persuaded me to do a bit of eighth. He was running a Hobeo and, and so on and so forth. And then... Um, I was running a Mirage uh, Hot Bodies um, Lightning because uh, I'd still got good contacts with them. So I ran a Hot Bodies Lightning for, and I did quite well with it. I'd, I'd been away for a number of years, and first meeting I made the B, and the second meeting I went to second national I did. I won, I won it, um, and I got. I just had a really bizarre, out of the blue phone call one morning on the way to work. Um, and a guy who's uh, a guy in Australia called Rob Van Oosten contacted me. Now he was the 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 distributor in Australia for Ming Yang, who uh, and they had a car called the Saka. Well, the Hot Bodies Lightning was a rebadged Ming Yang Saka. Yeah. So um, he, he he rang me up about some setups and stuff. Um, but he was also the Australian distributor for Hong No. Um, and he'd 
he, he, he'd asked me something about the hot bodies, but then he'd spoken to David Wu, who was the owner of Hong Nho, um, and and it basically they made me an offer whereby if I raced the car for them, I, I could distribute it. Um, and we put a deal together, and 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 we went from there. And I thought, well, why not? I'd I'd got the knowledge, I'd got sort of the knowledge how to do, you know, how to do stuff from when I worked at HBI. So I um, I sold my car at the time, which was a Civic Type R at the time, and to get the money to to spend on some RC car stuff and just give it a go. Yeah. And uh, I winged it to start with. I uh, just kept the stuff in my garage and didn't tell any of their neighbours and didn't tell anybody because um, I ain't got anywhere else to put it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I mean, didn't the, want to get big overheads. I mean, for um, like when I was racing eight in the 2000s, the Hong No was the club man, club car to go to. Oh, it was a brilliant it? car. It and, you was know, bulletproof. Yeah. And, you know, it was... Uh, it was cheap to run. It, it 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 handled well. It was up there with everything else of that period, yeah. uh, and it was absolutely bulletproof. You well, just so break I, had, it. I can still remember it like it was yesterday. I had an X, the X one CR, and the only thing you had to do to it out the box was put the truggy servo saver spring on it. Yeah, that was about other, it. Yeah. Other than that, it, it was just it just it was just ripped. You know, yeah, I had my best good, results of that car. car. Yeah, yeah, it was a very good car. So. so Go on. So what happened with um, with Hong No? I mean, because obviously I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm rushing on a bit here, but yes, it, it was it was you know the it, it just seemed to fade away in the UK, didn't it? But every now and then I see a pop up of a Hong No race car on a, like a, on Facebook or something. Like they're still yeah. going, but they, they just seem to stop in the UK. Well, what happened was really is that uh, as time went on. Um, you know, the competition got faster and the car was out of its depth, really, after yeah. a period of time. So, you know, the low C8 came out and that was a, that was really a, a, a totally new, you know, a totally different level altogether. Yeah. Uh, and although the Hong Nor was still arguably the stronger car, you know, people wanted to win races and uh, the low C was faster. Yeah. Um, and Hong Nor didn't really, well, they didn't. They were they were too slow off the mark, really, with a new car and new products. To be to be honest, um, and so um, by the time they did bring a car out, the X3, uh, you know, we'd all we'd lost all the sort of momentum that we'd we'd had. Um, and I guess you can see the same, really, with Hobeo. I was about, I was about to say, say exactly the same thing. That they, they kind of didn't yeah, look push the, the market, development yeah. train. Yeah. Look at the market Hobeo had with the Hyper Seven. I, I, and, I, uh, I say this all the time, you know, to to all the old school eighth people who have on. You know, it was Hobeo that gave eighth to the UK, really, with its you know how cheap it was. The, the original Hyper Seven and the PBS, how cheap they were yeah. compared to everything else that was out there. It really, just opened it up to the masses, didn't it? It did open it up to the masses, and I mean, when I look back now, you know, I remember seeing Hyper Seven RTRs. I think Model Sport and places like that used to do them at one four nine or one five nine. Yeah, and then or you could have that the was posh, an RTR car, and you could have I mean, the posh one with the starter box, couldn't you? Yeah, you could have the. Was that the Paul Coleman edition yeah. or something like that? <laughs> yeah. it was, 
Um, but 149 quid, you know, you got a. And that was obviously only an RTR, but it was a good car yeah. for the money. It was, it was, you it was, wouldn't get you wouldn't get much of an RTR for that nowadays. Killed gas trucks as well, Chris. You know, he was that pop, was that popular. You know? Yeah, and and you know, the, as you know, the the eight scene at the time in sort of. 2005, 6, 7, 8, it really, it really exploded, didn't it? Yeah. And uh, you could go, you know, you could go to Doug Ogg's meeting at Walsall, just a club meeting, and there'd be 70, 80 people there. Well, that was and it. on the same day, on the yeah. same day, there'd be 60, 50, 60 at Shrewsbury, and on the same day, there'd be 50, 60 yeah. at Ledbury. I mean, you know, the, yeah, I mean, the, the, the eight-scale market was massive there. Yeah, I mean, when Doug Ogg did that series, I think he was around for about three or four years, when it was Western Park one weekend, Eastern Park the next week, uh, another weekend, you know, with yeah. Bromyard Gala. They were all, basically, everywhere there was a steam fair or some sort of two-day events. He yeah. would just say, can I come and bring my race in? I won't charge you anything. <laughs> can I just yeah. bring it down? You know, and we'd be literally like going away every other weekend for 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 two days. You know, he did a good job of that. To be fair, yeah, to him, class, mate, you know? absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, and you know, with the the, and and since then, you know, I know the I know the headline meetings are full, um, your nationals and all your sort of big races, but there isn't the depth at club level that there was in, at that period in time. Now, no. you know the the. It was crazy then. There was there's there's club meetings all over, exploding all over the place, and yeah. it was insane at that period. Yeah, it was back back in the days when you know, like nowadays, you can lose a lose an A final by having a crash or a half spin. Back then, you could literally have a cut and still win the A final. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, was, it was different different times. Yeah, it yeah. was different times. Yeah. So but, I mean, obviously SMD's still going. I mean, you've got you do the SRT servos and you got the um, the surpass electronics they're quite decent aren't they yeah, yeah. you know decent stuff and charisma scale charisma scale adventure is my biggest line at the moment yeah. and uh, i get on very well with ivan and uh um i was I, I was i was really lucky with ivan um it's a uh, i'd visited uh i visited the scale nationals a few times because it's it's about ten miles from me. Yeah, uh, and I know Pete Gray, who's the who, who who's the obviously the yeah, and he, he's the he's the brand manager for Charisma, uh, and so he'd always invite me over, and I'd gone for a number of years just to go have a look and uh, and just chat, and then um, he just muttered to me one day um, uh, in twenty. Would it have been 2018 or 2019? It's 2019. In 2019, he just muttered to me that that at that time that Ivan wasn't overly impressed with the then current uh, um, situation in the UK. Um, and if anything was available, would I be interested? And I was like, well, I'm always interested in talking about stuff. Who knows? Um, and I, I was... Um, I'd, I'd ended up. I was in China in 2019, uh, and um, Ivan had contacted me, and he came across the border from Hong Kong, and he met me at a, at a hotel, um, and and we had a, just a you know a general chat about stuff, and you know 
I'm very much a people person. I got on I got on really well with the man, and I really liked him. And I thought, wow, I did my research with all the customers and um, all the shops that I dealt with, and they were all saying, oh, you know, you know, this this scale crawler thing is massive, and it's it's really booming. And so it was a bit of a leap of faith, really, because I didn't know a great deal about them. Um, but I decided to to go for it, and yeah, it's been it's been great so far. Yeah. I mean, these scale stuff, like you say, the you know the quality of the the Land Rovers he does, and or the Range Rover, you know, the the scale details on these vehicles are, are epic, aren't they? Yeah, it's really. very good. All that, very, yeah, very. It doesn't good. let things go. Well, I suppose the, yeah. like, you know it's got to be it's got to be bang on. Yeah. So yeah, I was lucky in that regard, and yeah, I've got the surpass. Um, the surpass motors have gone very well. The the race motors. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been to the factory there, and you know, there's only there's only two or three factories in China that make brushless motors. And you know, I'm going to be professional and not tell you all the brands that I saw being made at surpass, <laughs> but it does rather it's, make me laugh when people same. say surpass is a, a budget brand. Yeah, and it's like, well. It, it isn't because that that motor that you think is a premium brand is made in that factory yeah. by the same people with the same materials. It's the same as it's the same as the chargers. No matter what, if you walk around any pits, you the all half the chargers all saying the same down there when they finish charging. No matter what yeah, it looks like do, on the yeah. on the table, it makes the it makes the same flipping beep. You know, it does. <laughs> it does. And again, you know. You know, you still work at CML, don't you? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we'll not go into details, obviously, but yeah, again, you're right. I, I totally, factories, I'm agreeing without you know, saying anything. I'm totally agreeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, it's it's rather it, once you've been in that environment over there and uh, to China, and you start, you know, I, I went round, um, I went round a factory by a, comp- a company called High Speed or HSP. Yeah. Well, they've got 400 staff, um, and there was rather a lot of familiar brand named boxers in that place. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, uh, but but yeah, it's um, you know, it's been and and also the receivers. I was look. There's there's various suppliers of the yeah, Sanwa yeah. compatible receivers. Because um, you were one of the first to go for the the. Would you call it a clone receiver? I don't know the ones. The ones Sanwa compatible. Yes, yeah, that's, that's Sanwa compatible ones. You know that there you, are a few different ones, and I did test them all. And that one, but that one works perfect. Now yeah. the the only trouble I've got with it currently is that. Because of this semiconductor issue, I can't get them. Yeah, it's it's the same with a lot of things like that and radios and you know a lot yeah. of a lot of basically, basically if you don't know there was a, a big fire in a semiconductor factory. Um, yeah. And basically, they made all of the semiconductors for things in RC, whether it be a speed controller, a receiver, yeah. a transmitter. PlayStation so fives. Yeah, that's there's, I a, can't get there's one. a real shortage of these little semiconductors, and apparently there's only this one factory that could make this certain type. Or so the story goes. Anyway, you probably know more than me, Jamie. But well, and this is the problem with real cars as well. Real car supply, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you even your big manufacturers like. Uh, Mercedes, BMW, VW, Audi Group, you know, they've had supply issues and you've got all, everything to make the car, but if they haven't got the the brain for the ECU or for the or for the control, you know, for the um, infotainment type systems, then 
it's useless. They can't do anything with the car, you know. Mm. So that's what's caused a lot of problems in that regard. Um, it will sort itself out. Um, you know, it's a temporary problem. It will get sorted. But at the moment, it's uh, there's, there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel just yet. Um, you know, unless you want to pay through the, through the nose, which yeah. makes the product, you know, unviable, really. Yeah. Um, if that's the right word, yeah. unviable. Is that the right word? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, bringing us right up to date. Um, yeah. You raced, was it last weekend or the week before, you did the iconic meeting? Yeah, I did the iconic meeting. Did um, they have to talk you into that? Would they have to really twist your arm or did it almost say, like, here's a car, really, come and I've, race? I've got um, one, of my, one, of my best lo- one of my best friends locally is a, a lad called Lee Broaders, and he's been a long time RC yeah. racer, although he's been on and off uh, um, over the years. Um, he talked me into having to go at the vintage racing, and I, I haven't got I haven't got my own cars, but he's got, you know, he's got a bundle of cars, and uh, basically he prepares some nice cars, and and I go and race them, and he races them as well. So. Um, we did um a couple of years ago we did the euro masters in holland which was a great jolly boys outing um and then we've done the revival and and then this year we've done uh we obviously couldn't go to the euro masters because of the virus but yeah. um we did the first revival and it was that it was so oversubscribed that they did a second one um and John had invited me to do the second one uh, as well. Um, and we also did a meeting in the Lake District called the Lakeland Classic, and that was a fantastic meeting. Um, and that was just on grass. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't say I'm big into vintage racing, but I don't, you know, I... Um, you like to be invited. We get, yeah, we get, we, 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 you know, I get on really well with Lee and the other guys that we hang around with, and and you know we go and we have a good weekend away, um, and you know the racing's one part of the weekend. And obviously, two weekends ago, Craig was there, Craig Drescher, yeah. and uh, you know we've been friends for a long time, um, a long, long, long time. I mean, even even back in the in the eighties, uh, Craig. Uh, it might have been early 90s but Craig was just a kid at school and uh, his dad or his mum couldn't take him to the Reedy race in America so they trusted me to be the responsible adult and take him so you know what when we interviewed Craig last on here um, at the end of the episode we normally well when we give him a secret we, we pretend to end the call but we actually normally speak for like 10 or 15 minutes afterwards Yeah, and we had an hour and he told us about the hire car in uh, America <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. That was a that was a thing back then. RC yeah. racing, torturing iron cars. Yeah, I mean, it's not big and it's not clever, but we, you know, it that's was, what it we, was a different time, though, mate, wasn't it? Yeah, it no, was you, you couldn't get away with stuff like that these days. But oh, it, you couldn't, mate. You know, no, you couldn't. Not be camera phones uh, and things. Oh, absolutely but, not. But no. Did, so did, the, did it get crashed into the hotel? The car in the end. I can't remember. What did he say? Was no, it the motor story car park or something like that? Yeah, I, I got caught by the hotel manager. We were uh, basically we were all messing about us and the Germans, and I just happened to be in my car at the time. And uh, I did a I did a fast reverse drive down the underground garage, 
and I did a burnout with the car still going backwards. And um, I only just missed the wall in the in the hotel car park. And because say it's not big and not clever, but that's what happened at the time. Yeah. And but the car park <laughs> was full, full of smoke. Of, that was full it. of smoke. <laughs> and the and the hotel manager come down and and. Uh, it had set a fire alarm off in the in the reception or something, and uh, anyway, she got me she got me upstairs into the into the manager's office, and she said, oh, "I'm going to tell Mr. Reedy about this and all this, that, and other." And I said, "Look, you know, okay, you, you do what you've got to do. You know, I was messing about. I shouldn't have been doing it. You're right. Uh, I apologised. I, I, you know, I kissed a bit of ass like you have to." Yeah. And, uh, and uh, in the end, she was actually, she told me off and then she was, she sort of gave me a nod and a wink and said, I will leave it at that. Just don't do it again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, but that same car, Jürgen Lautenbach of LRP, we were going somewhere in it and it was a Subaru. Uh, I don't know the model. But at that time, we were messing about, handbraking here, there, and everywhere. And we come down the street to the hotel. And as I'm turning into the hotel, Jürgen yanked the handbrake. But unbeknown to us at that time, this Subaru, bizarrely, had the handbrake on the front wheels. So as we turned in and he expected it to kick the ass around, it didn't. It locked up and we were going straight for reception. (laughs) Now, luckily, luckily, he decided it were a good idea to take the handbrake off at that point, and so we closely missed reception. Um, but yeah, like I say, it's not big, not clever. You shouldn't do it. But we were young. We were probably yeah. You know, we were young. It was the eighties. People didn't travel yeah. about. We were a bit silly, we, and that's what happened. Yeah, we had Adam Scaled on a couple of weeks ago, and he told us a story about when they when they both got arrested. Um, oh that, yeah, you yeah. know. So it's um, it's it's not just a, a not a one off. But like I say, we, we've got so many good high cost. If you're at a race meeting, you want to speak about high cost stories, come and have a chat with me. So I've got loads of them. <laughs> not not from me, just <laughs> ones I've heard about other people. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I know most of them and a lot of them, and and I was probably there in in some of them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Coming up to racing modern modern times, you've still got you've still got your B six and your lads got one as well that you both race. Well, we, we've actually we're, we we don't race the B six. We've got the RC eight B three Oh, I didn't realise you'd gone full time into that. Well, not full time. Well, we 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 just we, we what we do is we do. Uh, George has got a B six uh, that he messes about with. Um, and it's there so that he can race at a club if we've got nothing else to do. Yeah. But uh, Friday nights, we race Tamiya front-wheel drive minis. Um, we've got a local club. It's fantastic. There's no lap counting. Uh, there's just an egg timer. And we uh, just, we door handle quite firmly. Shall I put it politely? And I'm saying he, he, can't, he, he says one time he had to stop because he was, he was crying that hard, laughing and crying that hard that he just couldn't see. Well, in, in, and we've got a strong field. There's myself, Adam, Mark Scott, who you probably don't know, but he was a—he's one of my local friends, and he—he he was a Euros A finalist and uh, um, and second at a Buggy National before. Uh, there's 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 us three. There's Dave Bailey. There's another local guy called Dave Underwood who's a handy driver, yeah. and 
and there's George and uh, and Dave Underwood's lad and it's a really small track and we give each other some real GBH. Um, <laughs> and last week, Mark removed Adam's car, not just from the track, but it went out the fire doors into the yard next to the building. <laughs> 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 but yeah, so we race them for fun on a Friday. Our local club, it's £2 to race. Um and we get five or six rounds, and we have a right giggle. It's some yeah. of the best racing, because every corner, every lap is the riskiest overtake you can do. Yeah. Um, but also, we do a bit of... We've got Deerdale near us and Endor, so we do a little bit of club racing with uh, the associated B3.2s, E's, yeah. electric. Um uh, I can't cope with two nitro, so we've got two electrics. Yeah, makes sense. Um, you know, I, I always, I, you know, I've always been nitro through and through, but you know, sometimes and I watch these people at the side of the track with an electric car. They walk up, press the button, throw it on the side of the track, and then that's it. Go and stand at the bottom of the rostrum and wait. Well, you know, when there's two eats at Deerdale or three eats, how can I look after? Who are we going to get to? You? you know, it's impossible, isn't it? If we yeah. went nitro, it'd have to be I'd I'd have to quit, and um, I'd just pit for George because I'd go there to take him, and yeah. you know. So basically, my rating these days revolves around club low key stuff, just to just to get out with with my son and, and my mates, really. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, I love it. Yeah. I love it now probably more than more than then. You know, not having that same pressure and. You know, just doing it for fun, really, yeah. now. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I've got the radio in me and I want to win, yeah. I can't help that. Yeah. So, so <laughs> who's, who's the fastest then? You, Dave Bailey, or Adam Skelding? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't what, know. What, what would you... they say? Uh, they might say <laughs> me, I don't know. <laughs> the more important one was at the Iconic. Did you manage to beat Drescher? I didn't, no. Um... I beat him. I mean, I mean, I beat him in the race of champions, uh, in the two wheel drive. But I didn't make it in the four wheel drive. But um, it uh, it was yeah. There were, he'd got an unusual car that was uh, modified by uh, um, Steve Lander and um, and uh, Phil Barlow, and they, they made a great job of it. Um, the four-wheel drive was amazing. Two-wheel drive, I mean, we were in different classes. I was racing a, a Coyote Show Tomahawk, and Craig was racing an RC10. So we were never on the class to, on the track together, apart from the race of champions. And that, uh, I beat him in that, but I started in front of him because they stagger the start. Oh, oh, I remember him saying on the group chat, he said the stagger was too big for how long the lap was or something. Yeah, he made some was, excuse, uh, something like that. It was, he was right. He was yeah. right. He, I mean, I had an horrendous final because, uh, well, Craig had persuaded me to uh, to have a quadruple Jack Daniels and Coke before the final with him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you had, so you drank in, he threw his over his shoulder. Well, I, d- I didn't. Dr- I didn't. I didn't feel drunk, but I, I didn't drive my best in the final. Yeah. I must say, but you know, we we had a, again. We had a great time catching up with old friends. Rob Gammon was there. Danny Conway. I've always got on well with Danny, Lee, uh, Phil Barlow, um, Steve Lander, and uh, loads of other guys. You know, and Chris from Mardave. We 
you know, we had a few, one or two drinks on Friday night and one or two drinks on Saturday night. So yeah. that's what it's about with the iconic thing. It's about, you know, racing's one small part of the weekend, if you like. Yeah, I bet there's some great stories flying around on, on the night over a beer, you know. <laughs> there is, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Right, we, um, have you got any more questions, Chris? Because we've just ticked over an hour. Um, not really. I mean, I've just been sat here enjoying listening to all the old stories as usual. It's, classic, um, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, right. we, should, we could we could do our uh, our famous ones. Right, you know James what? Got a wealth of experience. I am looking forward to to the first question, so I'm going to ask it. Jamie, no, out of all your cars you've ever owned um, or, or raced, if you could go to the track with one of them tomorrow, which one was your favourite car? Which one would you love to drive again tomorrow? Um. I, I, I do like the Schumacher Cat XLS, uh, and that's what I raced at, at the iconic meetings. It for some reason, it just seems to go where my thumb points it to go. Yeah. Uh, it isn't the best over the bumps, but the steering it just seems to go where I want it to go. Yeah. Did you build a re-release of that car when they re- when they well, came back out again? Lee did. Lee built me one. Built you a car. <laughs> yeah. I've got, got staff for that, darling. <laughs> It's Lee's car. It's not yeah. mine. It's Lee's. He just lends it to me. Kind. He just kindly prepares it and lends it to me. Brilliant. So, but yeah, I do like the Cat XLS. It's just I don't know. There's something about that. If I was building a car today, I'd want to know what's going on with the steering on that because it just seems to go where I want it yeah. to go. Class. Do you want so, to? Do you want to ask the next question, Chris? Yeah. So the other one we normally ask uh, people that have been sort of here, there, and everywhere racing is. What would be your favourite track to go back to if you could? So that car that that top, yeah. uh, sorry, Cat XLS, which would be the track you'd take it back to? I'd like to race the first time. Me, me, Dresha, Rory, and all those went to Yatabi Arena in 1991. That track was amazing, and and I, I honestly it brought a tear to my eye when they covered it in AstroTurf you know a few years ago I thought what did they do that for um, it was a dirt track it was all bowled up and bank corners and jumps and honestly it was fantastic and the and it was easy as well because it was damp dirt and everybody used foams and all you did after your race was wash your foams under the tap and put them back on you know so you use one set of tyres for you know the manufacturers won't want to hear this, but you know damp dirt with foams. You just the tires don't wear; they just last forever. So you used to run foams on dirt. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, on damp on damp dirt, not yeah. wet. But if the dirt's damp, if you put foam tires on, they they work brilliantly and they don't wear at all. That's crazy. That's I've never known that. Never yeah, known that. and they got banned. The 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 sort of powers that be banned them. I think. Uh, um, yeah, well, they can't make money out of tyres that don't wear, can they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're not going to make money out of something people only buy once in their lifetime, eh? <laughs> you know what I mean? They literally didn't wear at all. So the whole week racing at Utabi Arena, not, not new tyres. Even the tyres I put on were somebody else's, and I used them all week. That's mad. Just... Yeah, so that track was amazing. Just briefly, um, what's this track that Ian keeps going on about? You've mentioned it a couple of times tonight, um, but I didn't manage to get it in. Ian Littlehill keeps talking about a track called Procheck that you were, you mentioned earlier in Austria. Oh, Procheck. Procheck. Yeah. Yeah. What 
what's it, what was that track like? What was so good about that? Well, the, the well, it was nothing to do with a track. It's just a beautiful place. Yeah. It's just a just a flat grass track in a idyllic location, just bang next to a beautiful lake in a absolutely picture perfect, beautiful area. Um, so it, the track was nothing special whatsoever. It's just just a flat grass track, but next to an amazing lake with a amazing beautiful town and it's just a it's just an absolutely cracking place to go to so that everybody's sort of um love of that had nothing to do with the track yeah yeah because because he was kept keeps going on about it so i've got to go back there i'd love to go back there yeah yeah fantastic Real. Right then, Jamie. What we'll do is, um, we'll thank you for your time for coming on tonight. We really appreciate right, it. It's, it's been. And before we let you go, would you like to say thank you to anyone, friends, family, um, or sponsors? Yeah, I can still say that. Friends, family, or sponsors. Um, um, just thanks to everybody from racing for making it so much fun over the years. Really, you know, whether that be sponsors, friends, acquaintances, competitors. You know, I've made some amazing friendships all around the world and. You know how many hobbies, how many people have got hobbies today where they do that. So you know it's really been really amazing, Brilliant. and that's it really. Nice one. Thanks for your time, mate. I'll see you at the track. All right. All right. All right. Cheers, Cheers mate. mate. See you later. Bye. Bye. And he's gone. Yeah. Seamless. Absolutely right. seamless. One take. You keep telling it's, everybody. Uh, mate, but... it's, it's the truth. It's one take. Yeah. One take. Uh, so yeah. Back to reality and time, and time for the for the real big hitters of this show. Me and you, and sometimes Bruce. So you well, I think I think Bruce tends to get more praise on this than us. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, you've been up to much, mate. Is there anything interesting? Um, I haven't, mate. With this new job, um, I'm having to do this assessment. You're actually, you're actually having to work for a living. Well, for now, yes. It, um, I've got to pass this assessment. Uh, and it is quite a lot of work and it's yeah. quite complicated so like like you know tonight I didn't get back till about 10 minutes before we were recording this yeah. I've literally come in let the yeah. dogs out fed them and ran upstairs you to this you so. to get your priorities straight mate you know what I mean I know, I you know, know. this high paying podcast that you do every week yeah yeah <laughs> I mean if this was a high paying podcast mate I wouldn't be worried about having to pass this line manager assessment but you know, class. It's, it's well, I've been holding up my end of the of the of the race scene, and I've been doing a little bit. So I went to Kidderminster with my chair creaking. Then I went to Kidderminster on Saturday for practice with um, obviously um, His Majesty and Roger Mills turned up. I think you said His Majesty turned up. Yeah, no, yeah. Bruce and His Majesty. So yeah. Oh uh, right. Okay. Um, yeah, no, so it was really good. We uh we had a bit of a had a bit of a chuckle. Roger actually drove my R C ten. Um and guess it yeah. was the first time he's never he says he's never driven an R C ten in thirty years at all the times I've been out sort of thing. So he had to go with mine around Kidderminster. And you know what he did? Constantly complained about a lack of steering. And I'm like, mate, that they were all like that. That's that's how it was, Rog. No, no, so, this is that that that's that's not a, a slight on the car, and that's just Roger's default setting. Yeah, he's like, oh, it's a bit soft at the back, isn't it? I'm like, well, yeah, it's an RC10. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so he had half a battery pack with that, and he quite liked it. And then, um, and then for a bit of a laugh, I bound my my it gets complicated. I bound Bruce's radio to my car, 
so he had right. my seven and a half with all the bells and whistles on it and yeah. you know what he got around all right he got around all right with it not so, too aggressive with the throttle he, he was to start with but he kind of smoothed it out in the end so we realised there was more power kind of thing well yeah but you know, you know I keep talking about this he pulls the trigger and it goes too fast so he lifts off and he ends up like just being nitro thing yeah. like burp, burp, burp. so we drove mine and he was a lot smoother so I've, um, I've got him a seven and a half so I've put it in and then I'll just I'm, we're going to try it on this Sunday at Kidderminster because it's racing it's the last of the summer series at Kidderminster this weekend alright that'll be good so yeah I'm, I'm actually saw the results not the results the, the overalls I'm sitting in sixth place at the minute and Bruce is in 16th well, you want to get a you want to get a bit of a shift here, don't you? Being mm-hmm. sick, who's yeah. ahead of you? Um, no one fast. It's like Ben Pugh, Roger Mills, um, Flinders, Hobby Day. Um, anyway, do you know? More importantly, do you know who's seventeenth behind Bruce? Nathan Stanmore. Better than that. Oh. Our, our local famous F1, who never mentions it, Alexander Hayward. Alexander. The genuine F1. Genuine F1, Alexander Hayward. Genuine F1 for three years. Yeah, he's only done two meetings, hasn't he? And yeah. Bruce has done three. So, yeah, so I'm sixth, and I need four four points to go up. Uh, but it's difficult because, I, because I've been pretty consistent because I've, I've done three rounds of the four because one, one after you threw it down, so I didn't go. Um, and I had, m- my points are all 93s. So it looks nice. like I came last in every A final. I made every A, but yeah. I, I come last in every one. So really, I need to get like a, a if I got if I well, this is a dream, but mathematically, if I get a third this weekend, um, I could go up to third or fourth in the championship. But it's a bit it's a tall ask because Roger's going to be there, Ben Pugh obviously will be there, and Alexander Haywood. So I would imagine they'll be the top three, regardless of whoever else goes. I ain't gonna be, I, I'm not coming third on Sunday, am I? Realistically, so uh, well, you know, I mean, well, I'm, 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 I've, know. Been, I've been surprised I made the A every 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 meeting. So you never yeah. know, just swap some of Alex's batteries over, like you know the charged one that he's got in the car. <laughs> Take it out, and put his flat one in, you'll be fine. Memories of the no, me- memories of the the Dudley Dudley endurance races, yeah. yeah. Like he'll be uh, he'll be wondering why he's dumped every run. He'll be trying to swap his batteries in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so I, I'm looking forward to it, but. Um, the, the weather forecast as I checked before we came on tonight is thunderstorms for for Sunday but I'm going to go well, how, are you, how are you going to get four things you're not going to turn up well, no I'm definitely going Sunday so that's one of the year i got to go got to make the effort even if it's so you're going to go even if there's two inches of snow on the ground yep yep you, so it's, that's it's it the last day, because this is like the last outdoor meeting for me this year yeah. Um, before we go, before we get, set the cars up for indoors, put the gear lifts in, and and away we go. Because it's Silverstone ne- next weekend, first round of Silverstone. So if you don't turn up, just to prove how dedicated and committed you are, if you don't turn up without good reason, you're going to personally donate a brand new boxed B6 to our Christmas raffle. Yeah, I'll, mate, I'm going. I've, I've already made an agreement with Bruce. No matter how bad the weather is, we're going Sunday. All right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether I'm I whether, whether I actually do every single round will be a <laughs> no, joking. Yeah, nah. You turn it up and sit yeah. in somebody's tent and not yeah. getting your car yeah. out. No, I've got so I've got going. I've got all the wet tyres that are like like nearly new sort of thing. So we're all right with them. So Bruce has got his new speedo and his new motor, so he wants to run that new speedo as well. well I say new. It's new. It's new to him. It's like yeah. one of my old ones. Um, it's an old Viper VTX ten. 
something like that. So, but it was a good speed. Is that up. the one that was the most complicated thing in the world to program? Yes, it is. Yes, but luckily I've got a lot of experience with it. Uh, yeah. But yes, it was complicated. And then it's it's the, you'll love this. The programming system is that hard that once you've changed something, you've got to go back out to the main menu where it says change setting, load setting, and you've got to go down to save setting, and you've got to click that. Otherwise, if you don't do that, it doesn't save anything you've just put into it. So, yeah, it's pretty complicated. I'll stick to the Reedy that you just change it and then turn it off. Well, yeah, well, when Reedy get the get the backside into gear and release of whatever it's going to be next to 610, then Bruce can have my 510 and we'll all be laughing and on the same page, won't we? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think it'll be long now because like, it can't be long until they release stuff because they're doing... If you look on... Uh, Facebook over the last couple of days, they've been doing all their uh, their new product, you know. Yeah. New, like I'm looking at a couple of the, you know, the Wolfpack lipos that they do, which yeah. are kind of like not their race pack, like the Zappers. I mean, they normally do a load of them, and then later on they announce the higher end stuff, don't they? So yeah. from looking at it, I'm expecting some stuff yeah. coming through. Might be quite. soon. Might be soon. Might be two yeah, weeks. Yeah. Might be might be a long way away. Yeah, yeah. there's always stuff coming. Always stuff coming. So. All right then. So that's me. You're not doing anything because you're working, aren't you, this weekend? Yes, working, working. I'm. Uh, that's why you get the big bucks, mate. Working on a Saturday and a Sunday. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You got to pay for that swimming pool and hot tub somehow. Yeah, it's, it's all these holidays in Dubai. I keep having it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right then, dude. So we're all done, listeners. If you've missed anything, I, I apologise. Do you want to thank the sponsors, mate? Yes, I can do that. Thank you to CML Distribution and Schumacher Racing. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for the the prizes that you give us at the end of the the year for the Christmas giveaway, which is rapidly approaching. It is. And it's not long now. Not long at all. Yeah, it's not long now, is it? We'll yeah. be. Uh, Richard, I heard Richard Barton's actually sent his Santa Claus outfit to the dry cleaners this weekend. It's looming <laughs> that fast. Christmas Barton's coming. Yeah, yeah. Right, so I'll say a massive thank you to the listeners guys thanks very much for getting involved with our car crash of a podcast that we lovingly produce for you every week if you've got anyone any friends or family members or you know someone interesting you want us to interview give us a shout drop us a message let us know and we'll do our best to get them on for you if they reply to our messages don't forget to like and share the podcast if you like and share this one you will get a ticket for the Christmas draw same as all the others so if you share the podcast 50 times this year you get 50 tickets for the Christmas draw it's as simple as that um, Chris that's it that's me done short and sweet um, just a little bit longer than um, Jason Potter's commute to work this week but he might be able to get it done in one well, day well it might take it might be perfect for him because he'll have to drive slow because of having less petrol. Well, it's funny actually. He had to go home the other day and because um, his car was empty and he couldn't get to the petrol station, so he had to go back and pick up his camper van to drive to drive to working. So, so yeah. his car that he had with him didn't have enough petrol in it to get him home. Yet he used it to drive home and get his camper van. No, no, no. He drove to work. Yeah. And, and it was going to get fuel on the way to work, but the queues were so long that he couldn't get fuel in time to get to work on time. So he went back and got his camper van and went to work. Oh, that. I thought you meant yeah. he got to work. I was like, oh no, he's not completed yet. I was going to say, he's you a know, you know, he's, he's a, a bit of a bit, he's a bit silly, but he's not a completed yet. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we are absolutely going on. So I'll see you next week I'll for see you next week. a person 
who is developing their own car. Developing their own car, and they, and they work in a model shop for all you clued up people, so you might be able to figure it out. Um, send me a message, let me know, and you might win nothing, but we'll see. So, Chris, take care, mate. See you later, mate. Right, safe.